I'm DeWitt Bingham. Welcome to the Justice for All podcast show, where we discuss all things social and criminal justice related, from the front end to the back end, and everything in between. You have a right to remain silent, because anything you say can and will be held against you. You have a right to an attorney. If you cannot afford one, one will be appointed for you. You're in the self-incrimination protection zone, where there is no cruel and unusual punishment, no illegal search and seizure. The exclusionary rule has you covered. So sit back, relax, and become sold on this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Justice for All podcast show. I'm DeWitt Bingham, your host. Thank you for tuning in to the show that discusses all things social justice and criminal justice, where the goals are to inform you, the American citizen, of your constitutional rights, to provide educational and occupational guidance to high school and college students, and to be a voice for change. I'm excited about today's show because we have two scholars with us on today to talk about the juvenile justice system. So without any further ado, I introduce to some and present to others, Mrs. Araya Mayberry and Mr. Jalen Walker. <laughs> Welcome to the show, lady and gentleman. Hello, thank you. Hi. The title of today's show is The Basics of Juvenile Justice. So let's get right into it. Oh, wait a minute, before we get into it, I want to explain to the audience that this is the 15th week of the semester, and this is the very last podcast of the 2023 spring semester. And so I want to ask first, before I introduce our guest on today, how things have gone this semester, beginning with you, Jalen. I felt like things have been going pretty swell. Uh, this is my last semester at Harlem Community College. So I've been wanting to end on a high note. Uh, I've done a lot of academic stuff that has helped prepare me for my future. So I feel pretty good about this semester. Wonderful. What about you, Zoraya? I feel like it's been a it's been a semester. Yeah. I mean, I definitely could have managed my time and some other stuff well or like a little better. But I enjoy having you as a teacher. And yeah. Well, thank you, Zoraya. You are too sweet. All right. Okay. So segment one, let's meet our guest. Segment one is for the educational and occupational guidance of high school and college students. We accomplish this by having our guests introduce themselves. So if you would tell the audience where you were born and raised, what high school you attended, your major or anticipated major, why you took this class, and give us one career goal. Let's go with ladies first. Have you go first, Zariah. Okay. My name is Zariah. I was born and raised here in Bloomington, Illinois. I went to Bloomington High School. My major is criminal justice, and what I plan to do with my major is I want to be a criminal defense attorney. So my major, I chose this class because I feel like a criminal justice is like a good foundation for a criminal defense attorney. And yeah. All right. Jalen. I was born and I was raised primarily in Jefferson Park is this neighborhood in Chicago. And then I transferred to Bloomington Normal in the seventh grade. Uh, I went to Normal Community High School and I'm majoring currently in criminal justice. 
why I took this class, uh, Introduction to Criminal Justice, was to gain a better understanding of the criminal justice system uh, in hopes to one day become a criminal defense attorney. So, so yeah, just like my constituent, Zariah. All right. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, we need some awesome defense attorneys like yourself. All right. So we got an Ironman and we got a Purple Raider. All right. Very good. Moving on. Segment two, constitutional rights. Segment two is to inform the American public of their constitutional rights. Before we have you tell us what your favorite constitutional right is, let's remind the audience the title of today's episode, The Basics of Juvenile Justice. Many people don't realize that the juvenile justice system is unlike the adult system in many ways. And the state of Illinois is a pioneer of the system. So let me begin by asking you, Jalen, where was the first juvenile court established? I believe it was established Cook County uh, in 1899, state of Illinois. All right. Very good. And what was the aim of that court? It was to not necessarily punish juveniles. It was more to sort of to rehabilitate. Wonderful. And Zariah, how would you define a status offense? I would define it as something that is like legal for certain groups of people, like certain age groups to do, but like illegal for other age groups or things like that. Wonderful. Yes. And so any type of offense that an adult cannot be charged for could be a status offense for a juvenile. So can you give us an example of what a status offense is? Like curfew, underage drinking, truancy. All right. And I'm sure that you and Jalen have never got any tickets for underage drink. That would be, oh. a, that would be a good thing. <laughs> All right. Very good. So, Jalen, how would you define a delinquent act, on the other hand? If a status offense is an offense that would be legal if you were an adult, how would you define a delinquent act? A delinquent act, I believe that's an act that... It goes for both adults and juveniles. So some examples of this could be like theft, burglary, robbery, um, battery as well, too, domestic battery. And so juveniles are the only individuals that can be charged with the status offense. All right. Very good. Finally, two important cases. First one is Kent versus the United States. Do either of you want to take a stab at that? Uh, I, I can't take a stab at that. Okay. Jalen? So, Kevin the United States, that was 1966, and it dealt with transferring juveniles to adult courts. And then what it did, what Kevin the United States did, was it gave juveniles uh, the right to be heard in juvenile court before being transferred to adult court. Wonderful. And so, very good, Jalen. So, even though a juvenile may end up being prosecuted as an adult, they still have to be heard in juvenile court. All right. Very good. The other case, Enrique Galt. Zariah, you want to give that a stab? Yes. That was 1967, and it deals with giving the juveniles their due process rights that were first provided to the adults with, like, Miranda. And versus Arizona, it's like Fifth Amendment, violation of self-incrimination, right to legal counsel. So basically, it just gave the juveniles their due process rights. Very good. And you mentioned Miranda, and that's part of the introduction to this podcast. You have a right to remain silent 
anything you say can, right? And will be <laughs> and yeah. will be held against you in the court of law. And yeah. go ahead, Jalen. I was just saying emphasis on the will. It can and will. Yes. That's very important because that might get somebody or cause an individual to shut their mouth. Because <laughs> once they understand that it will, anything that they, they say will be held against them in the court of law just might provoke them to not say anything and ask for an attorney, which is the second part uh, or the second thing we want to mention that happened with juveniles, Gideon versus Wainwright, which was a 1963 case, which gave adults the right to legal counsel. And as a result of Enray Galt, 1967, juveniles now have the right to an attorney. So in summary, the rights that were provided to juveniles did not exist prior to being provided to adults. Again, the Fifth Amendment, self-incrimination, right to an attorney, all that occurred in 63 and 66, but Galt actually did not occur until 67. And so after Galt, the juvenile now had a right of notification of charges. In other words, juveniles used to show up in court and they really didn't know why they technically or legally why they actually were in court because the law did not require them to be noticed. The other thing was, is that prior to 1967, basically those that testified against the juvenile, the court basically believed because of a concept of call, a concept known as parents patriot, which means that the system or the judge knew what was in the best interest of the minor. And so thus the minor didn't need, need an attorney. But the court, as a result of Galt, now had to provide the juvenile with counsel, right to uh, cross-examine witnesses, the right to self-incrimination, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So now let's tell the audience what your favorite constitutional right is, beginning with you, Zoriah. I would say mine is the Fifth Amendment. And like I say this because like as a kid, like my mom always taught us, I plead the fist. Like she would ask us a question and like we would just sit there and she'd be like, are you going to answer? And I'd be like, I plead the fist. So like being on my sisters, anytime we would be getting in trouble, like I plead the fist. And then like now I'll be like scrolling on like TikTok or something and I'll see like a video. And like the most recent one I seen was last night, actually, this girl had got arrested for drunk driving and she was just like rambling, like she was just rambling. And I'm just sitting there like, Everything you're saying, like she changed her story multiple times. She had a drink. She didn't have a drink. She had this. She didn't have this. I was like, if you just didn't say anything right now, you'd be in a better situation. I mean, like it's, it's still a bad situation, but you would put yourself in a better situation if you just didn't say anything, you know? Okay. All right. So then what you're saying is that you learned early on about the Fifth Amendment. Yes. Yes. Okay. Very good. That's the one thing that I like about criminal justice, too, is, is that it's a subject matter that we actually are being trained on and being schooled on and being taught about from the time we are a little kid. It comes naturally uh, once we become adults and we begin to study criminal justice. All right, Jalen. So I have to agree with Soraya. And I, I wonder if it's an attorney thing now, too, because uh, my favorite amendment is also, also the fifth. As Zara was saying, I also grew up being told that I have to protect myself from self-discrimination and I was reminded of my rights. And I think it's important that people become more aware of their rights under the Fifth Amendment. In extreme cases such as the Central Park Five, you could see the important use of that amendment to um, 
just kind of subside any legal consequences you could incur. Excellent. I, I failed to mention that Enray Galt, I just want to mention this for the record. Enray Galt, court opinion was written by Justice Abe Fortas. He was a noted proponent of children's rights. And so uh, historically speaking, the Supreme Court didn't always get everything right. But in this case, they definitely got it right. We'll never see juveniles being tried in a court of law where they actually have a, a jury trial. That is anybody that's under 18. But definitely having the rights that adults have is something that was definitely warranted. And glad that that happened. All right. Moving on. Segment three, being a voice for change. As emerging adults who grew up in a predominantly white America, what say Jalen and Zariah about white supremacy and Black Lives Matter? Let's begin with you, Jalen. I just want to mention, too, that Jalen actually participated in an event that we recently had at Heartland Community College, and he actually did a study and put together a wonderful poster. I think I posted it on Facebook and it dealt with immigration and the detention of immigrants. Is that right, Jalen? Yes, I made uh, two posters. I made one uh, discussing the link between uh, mental mental health and criminality, crime. And then my other poster was, yes, problems with immigration detention. Wonderful. All right. So that said, what say Jalen about white supremacy and Black Lives Matter? I'd say white supremacy is a real thing. I'd say that as time goes on, it's being more called out, more pointed out, and people are gaining more understanding and are educating themselves more every day to notice the signs because it's not always a visible thing. It's not always something people quite understand because there's a lot, there's a lot of layers that go into white supremacy that I think through education we could realize the problems of white supremacy and come up with solutions. I was trained not to, to ever assume an individual's ethnicity, but are both of y'all fully African-American? So <laughs> I'm, I'm actually Afro-Latino. That's what um, I was wondering. Cause that's what I was wondering. I ain't really want to stereotype you, Jalen. That's the reason why, you know, I actually have been trained to not actually assume an individual's ethnicity. And so speak from your heart in terms of uh, when it comes to Black Lives Matter, because the question is simply, do Black Lives Matter? It could be simply yes or no. And if you want to go into detail, you know. Oh, <laughs> in that case, yes, I, I, I 100 percent stand by Black Lives Matter. I think it's bringing better awareness and especially the Black Lives Matter, just the organization itself. It brings uh, a kind of light to these problems that uh, are talked about, but not discussed as abruptly as some of these protests that have been happening. I mean, back in 2020, I'd say Three years ago, my senior year of high school, I was involved in some of those protests going around. I was uh, at the McLean County Jailhouse. Uh, and it, I mean, the people speaking, the people behind the Black Lives Matter movement are very intellectual, very educated people that I see being future leaders. And I think there's a lot to learn from Black Lives Matter. Wonderful, Jalen. That's awesome, man, that you actually took a stand. Because a lot of people are not going to take a stand. They're just going to sit back and watch 
African-Americans be mistreated. Wonderful. Yeah. And I like you have the you have the best of two worlds. Yeah, I do. Uh, saying that since my childhood, I have the best of two worlds. I have uh, I have generations upon generations of excellence. That's what I have to say. Generations and generations of excellence from both sides. Wonderful. And those two sides are what now? Uh, it gets a little confusing on my dad's side. I'm a little bit Jamaican, a little bit uh, <laughs> African. And then on my mom's side, it's uh, Mexican. They got a Mexican city behind me. Wonderful. That is awesome, man. Okay. Zariah. What say Zariah about white supremacy and Black Lives Matter? Um, I definitely think white supremacy is a thing. I definitely think that the people who are helped by white supremacy, they act like it's not a thing. Like where I work right now, there's like a lot of different levels. And then... We had one of the managers tell one of the team members who was talking to a black person that they're like, if you keep talking to him, then you're not going to, you know, advance and yada, yada, yada. And I'm just, it's just very interesting. So like basically the white people who are like affected by it, they act like they're not and like they're helped by it. They just want to like ignore it and put everybody else under them. Like maybe it's like programming to them. I don't know. I don't know. But I definitely think it's a thing. And it's not talked about as much as it needs to be talked about. And then as far as Black Lives Matter, a thousand percent, they do. They definitely do. I don't feel like this country would be where it is without Black lives. I don't feel like a lot of things would be as good as they are without Black lives. And then when he was talking about like the Black Lives Matter and like how it was like trending, it was like a trend and like it just kind of like died down. But I feel like Black Lives Matter is not just a trend or like, it's like a whole thing. It's a it's a statement, not just like a, oh, we can say this this year and next year we're just going to act like it never happened. No, a statement that needs to continue to be stated. Wonderful. Awesome, Zariah. Enough said. I don't even have to follow those up with anything. All right. I asked all my guests that are on the show, what would you like to see the Biden administration accomplish beginning this time with you, Zariah? Okay, so right now I feel like we're going into like a, a inflation recession, which ultimately, like or historically, would lead to like a Great Depression. So I would definitely like to see the economy getting back to where it's at. I've also been hearing things about how the dollar's not going to be worth something. Like it's going to be like sixty cents to the dollar in like Russia and other countries and things like that. So I would definitely like to see the economy getting back together. Egg prices going down, milk prices going down. And then um, some of like the government benefits, I definitely think could um, be better because like it's like you have to be under a certain level to get certain things. But then if you're above that level and like you're trying to do something for yourself, they're not going to help you as much, even though you need the help. And like, you know, you need the help, but they're telling you you don't need the help. So it just seems like kind of contradicting. Like, do you want me to be out here working and trying to better myself or do you want me to be? back here so that I can get the help so that I can provide for my family and things like that. And then I'd also like to see a lot of the gun control like under control because I have a daughter and she's going to be starting pre-K in August and wherever I go, wherever I move to, I don't know, but like a lot of the school shootings, the mass shootings, it's very scary because like if I send my daughter to school, I expect her to be safe at that school. I expect her to come back even better than the way she went in. And if I send her somewhere and then somebody 20 years old decides oh they're mad this day they want to go shoot something up like 
that I feel like they could get the gun control under control, the gun reform under control, regulate who like do like mental health background checks, not just like actual background checks on when they're giving guns out, especially like automated and machine guns. And yeah, so I would just like to see the economy, government benefits and gun control under control. Wonderful. Watch out, audience. We give solutions on this show. (laughs) I told you I got two scholars with me on today. Very good, Zariah. All right, Jalen, what would you like to see the Biden administration accomplish, brother? I think to me personally, and it's in relation to my posters, I admit, but I'd like to see the Biden administration talk more about immigration and immigration policies. I don't think it's talked about enough with this administration. It's kind of been swept under the rug as we're dealing with more conflicts uh, through our nation and globally, which is understandable. But what we're not realizing is it's a very huge problem in America right now that I believe, especially with our privatized uh, detention centers that a lot of immigrants are being sent to currently, is just simply unethical. In regards to that, uh, I was doing research for my poster board, the problem with immigration detention, and illustrating that the, in the Department of Homeland Security, the inspector general has been receiving uh, well over 33,000 complaints. Of these are complaints, and these are complaints of sexual abuse, violence, um, and other abuse just from authority figures within these privatized detention centers, the inspector general has investigated less than 1% of these over 33,000 complaints. So I think we just need to talk about that. We need to bring more awareness to that issue. That's great, Jalen. Wonderful. Okay. Can our vote impact policing, corrections, and the criminal justice system? What do you think, Jalen? I'd say our vote definitely matters in just all all aspects of the criminal justice system. And especially when I drive by and I see these election signs for judges and different judges running by, I think about how the majority of people, or I I like to say the youthful majority of people, I do want to talk about that, the youthful majority of people that I have spoken to have not voted in our court elections. And I think that's going to be posing a a big problem to when we have problems with our courts because we're not electing the correct officials that we want to see to represent us. Is it right? Um, in terms of like smaller voting, like if we were voting for the courts and like policing, I do think that our vote could matter. In terms of like presidents, I don't really think so, because like the Electoral College, that's a whole nother thing. But in terms of like small, like community wise, I feel like they definitely would matter. And like the more people who are voting, the more like if, as long as we all have like the same idea and like the same values, like the same ones, then I definitely feel like they would definitely matter. All like right. They can make- all right. Very good. What about the legalization of marijuana? Beginning with you, Zariah. I feel like it should be legal. I don't know. But like legal with limitations. For our audience, or I should remind our audience that marijuana is legal in Illinois. We're talking about at the federal level. All right. Go ahead, Zariah. Keep going. Yeah. So, like, I definitely believe it should be. But, like, of course, with the moderations, like, alcohol is legal. But you got to be a certain age. You have to have a certain amount before you can. You can't be publicly intoxicated. You can't disturb nobody. So, like, so like if you want to be in your own home of age, you should definitely be able to do that. Great analogies, Uriah. Okay, Jalen? I'd have to agree that I think marijuana should be legalized at a federal level because it does a lot of wonders medicinally. And I know there's a lot of research still being conducted. And 
we haven't figured out all the sciences behind marijuana. But what I do know is that we can't have states that have it legalized and have other states that don't have it legalized, but punish people that have perhaps sold marijuana, perhaps had use of marijuana in their past and still suffer harsh consequences in our prisons. It just doesn't seem ethical to me. Okay. Since you two are obviously black and brown, any thoughts on how to make race relations better? Beginning with you, Jalen. I think it always goes back to just how you view people and about perspectives. It's hard to relate and it's hard to view another individual uh, as you would with your close uh, family members, your close family, or you're just close inner circle if you don't understand what their background is or where they're coming from. And I think uh, once you're able to find that middle ground, once you're able to find that compromise, it's just easier to adjust to other problems and to reduce profiling and to reduce these uh, stereotypical viewpoints. So, right? I feel like it will go back to the home because like no one is born racist. No one is born thinking, oh, this person is black. So they're yada, yada. This person is white. So they're yada, yada, yada. So I feel like as long as it's everybody today if everybody today came together and was like we're just going to raise our children to think everybody is who they are like you're not white you're not black you're just a person you have feelings you have morals you have values you have uh, the same things i have you have the same blood i have bleed like i bleed so if everybody just deaded the racial like profiling the, the prejudice then i feel like so like as long as everybody comes together and tries to stop it I feel like that would definitely make a difference. But if everybody's not trying to come together, I definitely think there will still be divisions because the next generation is just going to grow up based off what that generation just taught them. Wonderful. Well, I want to thank you guys for coming on the show today. You guys were outstanding. So good to see you guys. And I am so grateful that you guys took my course on this semester. And if there's any time that you ever need me, you know that you can just shoot me an email. All right. All right. Thank you. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, some basics of juvenile justice, the juveniles due process rights, important constitutional rights, and how to make America a better place to live. Until next time, keep living your best life. God bless and Godspeed. speak. <laughs>